You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. just as righteous by faith in Jesus Christ as Jesus Christ is righteous. Every time I say this, I like to add, I'm not Jesus Christ, never will be, neither are you. I'm not God, never will be. But I'm as righteous as God because of what Jesus did. Otherwise, you can't go to heaven. That's the only way you can get into heaven, by the way. The only way. There is no other way. The new covenant is a regular reminder that I am righteous. In today's message, Pastor Danny will take the time to remind you of your righteousness in God. The world we live in is full of things that are contrary to the Word of God. Even in the most unlikely of places, sin can creep up in your life from time to time. The thing to understand is that the status of your righteousness is not dependent on what you do or don't do. Your righteousness is independent from the actions that you make. In Christ, you share your righteousness with Jesus Christ. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of Mark, chapter 2, as he continues his message, The New Covenant. So he condemns sin and sinful man in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be, catch this, fully met in us. Now, I want to give you a little tidbit, very important tidbit. False teachers who try to take us back to the old covenant, or at least mix the new covenant with the old covenant. One of the verses they will quote is where Christ said, I didn't come to abolish the law, I've come to fulfill the law. And they will use that as one of their proof texts to try to say, see there, we're still under the law. Still don't have a kosher diet or whatever they're teaching. They, they try to use that as a proof text. That verse means exactly what it said, but not what they say it means. Christ did fulfill the law. He said, I've not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill the law. He did fulfill the law, and he's the only human being that ever has. And he took our sin, and we get his righteousness. We'll get into more of that. I want to look at 10 characteristics of the old covenant and 10 characteristics of the new covenant. And we've got to do it fairly quickly, but hopefully you'll catch it. Now, if you don't have a good Bible background, and I understand some people here don't. I understand. Maybe you just got saved. Maybe you just became part of a, uh, the church. I understand that. So at some points, it may be a little muddy for you. Uh, when you start to sink, hang on. We'll try to pull you back up. All right? But a lot of information. The old covenant could never declare us righteous. Romans 3.20, no one will be declared righteous, God says, by observing the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of sin. We know we're sinners because we know we, we violated it. Can never make us righteous. No matter how hard we try. 
and how sincere we are. Oh, I want to do good. <clears throat> yeah, so don't we all? Good luck. Don't never declare you're righteous. You'll never measure up. Old covenant is a regular reminder of sin. Hebrews 10.3 says the old covenant sacrifices are an annual reminder. Now, it's interesting he says annual because under the old covenant, you had all kinds of sacrifices, all kinds of sacrifices. You had daily sacrifices. You had monthly sacrifices. You had sacrifices connected with the seven feasts that God um, gave through the law. You have all these sacrifices. And then there was one. It's the most solemn feast of the year. It's the Day of Atonement. It's a one-for-all, all-for-one sacrifice that after you've done all these other sacrifices throughout the year, it's like, okay, let's do all one for all, all for one. And the high priest would go into the Holy of Holies, sprinkle the blood on the mercy seat. If the blood is accepted, sacrifice is acceptable, then he comes back out and he says, it is finished. But what he means is it's finished till next year. Then you go by right back into the routine the next day. Sacrifices, next month, sacrifices, next feast, sacrifices. And then you come back again to the Day of Atonement. And he goes in, and he does it right again. And the sacrifice is accepted in. He comes back out, and he says, it's finished. But what he means is it's finished till next year. And it's just one day and month and year after another, and all you're being reminded of is we just are messed up. It just is an annual reminder, and that's why it says an annual reminder, Hebrews 10.3, because it's talking about you come to the Day of Atonement, one for all, all for one, and then you go back and you're doing it all over again until you come back again to the Day of Atonement. And you're always being reminded, you stink, you messed up, man. And so you have a guilty conscience. And Hebrews 10 says that the Old Testament sacrifices could never clear the conscience of the worshiper. You do everything by the book. You do everything right in terms of the sacrifice, and you still come away and you feel guilty. You feel dirty. Please get this one. Oh, if you get this one, please see this. Oh, Lord, help them to see it. All those regulations, all those feasts, the kosher diet, the circumcision, all that, it was external regulations. Hebrews chapter 9. Verse 10, they are only a matter of food and drink and various ceremonial washings, external regulations applying until the time of the new order, the new covenant. External. Here's the deal. They, they were ordained by God under the law, but everything physical had a spiritual reality. It spoke of something spiritual. So it did you no good. And this is, this is very hard. This was very difficult for even the apostles to really get a handle on. Because what did they argue about? Places like Acts 15. I'm talking the church, leaders of the church. Arguing over whether belief in Jesus is enough. No. Some people say, no, you, you believe in Jesus, but you also got to be circumcised. You got to believe in Jesus, but, but hey, don't touch the bacon. You got to keep the kosher diet. That's what God gave us. That's what Moses handed down. Wait a minute, we got to keep that. And they had a hard time getting a hold of this. Some people today have a hard time getting a hold of this. They're external regulations. Brought you no closer to God to be circumcised. Brought you, brought you no closer to God to observe the Sabbath day. Ooh, you just blaspheme. I did not. Hang with me. External regulations. And their shadows of greater reality, shadows. 
crazy illustration, but it, it fits. My shadow is right there, my shadow from the light. Imagine, imagine if I've been away from my wife on ministry trip, mission trip or something like that, and, and I come back and I see her shadow. And I go, oh, honey. And I go rush for her shadow, her shadow and go to embrace the shadow. Well, that gives me a lot of warm fuzzies. You say, how stupid. That's stupid. But people that try to embrace the old covenant now, it's a shadow. You're trying to embrace a shadow, not the reality of what the shadow speaks of. Hebrews chapter 8, verse 5. They serve at a sanctuary that is a copy and shadow of what is in heaven. That's why Moses was warned when he was about to build the tabernacle, see to it that you make everything according to the pattern shown you, because you're making something physical, but it has a, another reality. You're making something earthly, but it has a heavenly counterpart. Shadows. Passover, first fruits, unleavened bread, tabernacles, day of atonement, new moon celebration, Sabbath days, shadows. Okay? You got to get this. If you don't get this, you, 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 you don't get it. The priests under the old covenant were inferior. Hebrews tells us that they had to offer sacrifices for themselves, for their own sins, and for the people. For themselves and for the people. And they went through the same thing they went, that the people went through. You know, they go through all the sacrifices, they do the Day of Atonement, high priest goes in. Even the high priest himself, he's the high priest. He's still feeling like the people. Something just not right. Inferior priest. And they offered inferior sacrifices. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 3. But those sacrifices are an annual reminder of sins because it's impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Same chapter. Verse 11, day after day, day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties again and again. He offers the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. Inferior. I'll tell you one other thing about the old covenant. It was exclusive. What do I mean by that? Herod's temple, eastern gate. You come in, this area right here, all right? That's the court of women. But you can't get in just, to, just if you're a woman. You've got to be a Jewish woman. That's the only way you can get in there. This area back here, this is the labor of washing. You can't see it. The, the altar where the priests made the sacrifices. This is the temple proper itself. Uh, there's the holy place you go into. There's a curtain that separates the holy place from the holy of holies. Holy of holies represents where God dwells. That's where his throne is. That's where the Ark of the Covenant was with the mercy seat. That's where the pr priest would on the Day of Atonement sprinkle the sacrifice on the mercy seat and come back out. In here, in this section, if you're a Jewish man and you're living a kosher life and you're circumcised, you can go in here if there's room, and you actually watch the priest offering the sacrifice. I mean, you're close. You're close to, to the throne of God. You're a Gentile. You don't even get by these walls. You're a Gentile. You're out here, dude. Nice seating, huh? And some Gentiles couldn't even, couldn't even get in there. If you're a leper, if you're a eunuch, you could be a Jewish eunuch. You can't get in. It was exclusive. Some people get a little closer than others, but nobody gets in and hangs out with God. 
The old covenant was temporary. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 18, the former regulation is set aside because it was weak and useless, because it didn't give us what we needed. For the law made nothing perfect, and a better hope is introduced by which we draw near to God. It doesn't get any clearer than Hebrews chapter 8, verse 13. By calling this covenant new, he's made the first one obsolete. You know what the word obsolete means? Synonyms, English synonyms, supersede. But the literal Greek that's translated here, obsolete, you know what it literally means? To vanish. Which is what it says. Last part of the verse. And what is obsolete and aging will soon disappear. Now you see it. Now you don't. Gone. No mixing. No, well, we'll keep a little bit of this. No, it's gone. Done. Vanished. It's very quiet. I hope it's quiet because you're listening. Romans 10, 4, Christ is the end of the law so that there might be righteousness by faith. And last but not least, the old covenant is based on works. Quoting the old covenant, Romans 10, 5 and Galatians 3, 12, the man who does these things will live by them. In other words, if you're going to try to live by the law, you got to live by the whole law. You can't say, well, I kept some of it. No, that's not the way it works. You got to keep the whole thing. It's all or nothing. Now, the new covenant. Uh, just the first one is, is enough. Under the new covenant, you can be righteous, but not just better than somebody else and not just, no, the righteousness of God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us in order that we might become the righteousness of God, 2 Corinthians 5.21. A little practical tidbit as well. The reason if you died as an Old Testament saint, you're looking forward to the coming Messiah, you could not go into the presence of the Father. You could not go to what we call heaven, and it is heaven. You went down to the grave, to Sheol. Why? You went to a place called Abraham's bosom. Abraham because you died in the faith of Abraham, the coming seed, the Messiah. You couldn't go into the presence of the Father because the sacrifice sufficient to take away the sin and make us righteous had not been offered. That's why Peter tells us when Jesus died on the cross and then in his spirit, he went to Sheol. And Ephesians tells us, Psalm 68, quoting Psalm 68, a Messianic Psalm, when he left Sheol, he led captives in his train. That's his royal robe. And he goes and he takes them all from Abraham's bosom into the presence of the Father. And now the Apostle Paul tells us, New Testament, New Testament believers, believers, you die and your spirit immediately goes not to Sheol, not to Abraham's bosom. Abraham's bosom is empty. Abraham's not even there. And absent from the body now is present with the Lord. Because now the sacrifice sufficient to make us righteous the righteousness of God. I am just as righteous by faith in Jesus Christ as Jesus Christ is righteous. Every time I say this, I like to add, I'm not Jesus Christ, never will be. Neither are you. I'm not God, never will be. But I'm as righteous as God because of what Jesus did. Otherwise, you can't go to heaven. That's the only way you can get into heaven, by the way. The only way. There is no other way. 
The new covenant is a regular reminder that I am righteous. Paul talks about this practically in Romans 7. When I teach on Romans 7, I call it schizo-Christianity. Because Paul there, that's where he says, the things I want to do, I end up not doing. The things I don't want to do, that I end up doing. He's not talking about he's living a lifestyle of sin, and he's not living uh, in, in devotion to Jesus Christ. He's just saying, practically speaking, I still mess up. That's what he's saying. And so he comes to the end of that section, and he says, what a wretched man I am. Who will deliver me from this body of death? Because the sin still dwells in the members of our body, and we still struggle with sin. And that's when he says, thanks be to God, through Jesus Christ our Lord. And then he opens chapter 8 this way, there is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And he's being reminded that despite his struggle and his continued failure, despite how much he loves Christ and is serving Christ, he still messes up. But he's not righteous based on himself. He's righteous based on his faith in Christ. And so it's a regular reminder. And Satan's always accusing us. He's the accuser of the brethren. He said, look what you did. Look at you. You call yourself a Christian? You're a Christian wife? Yeah, right. And, 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 he's, and he's, he's just accusing us. And he still has something to accuse us about. Until, until we remember we have a defense lawyer that, man, is he good. Man, is he good. And he's, he's not cheap, but he paid his own bill. And he looks over at the father and said, Father, you know what Satan says is exactly right but I died for them. I paid the price. And so regular reminder, righteousness. And because of that, you can have a clear conscience. In the old covenant, Hebrews 10 to, none of those sacrifices cleared the conscience of the worshiper. I will never, ever forget the night I knelt in my front yard and received Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And I will never forget going to sleep that night. And before I went to sleep, I laid my head on the pillow and I had and it was just overwhelming, and it still is. It still is. That I'm like, I don't feel guilty anymore. I've been cleansed. I've been washed. And now I have peace with God. Romans 5 tells us, now we have peace with God. And I lay my head on the pillow, and I do every night. And if I do not wake up in this life, and by the way, that's the way I'd like to go. I mean, who doesn't want to go that way? I mean, can you imagine going to sleep? As a Christian and waking up, Jesus. I mean, that's the way to do it, man. I'm a wimp, dude. I'm, I'm just like any of you guys. Any, any of you want to suffer and die? No, man. I want to just go to sleep and wake up, Jesus. But I mean, I have peace with God. I, you know, when I was out partying and I knew about Jesus and I believed in Jesus, I knew he was the Messiah. He just wasn't my Messiah. You know, and I'm out, I'm headed to Clear Pond with the tequila and the chaser, you know, and smoking pot and looking to have a great time, you know, and we had a great time. We had a lot of fun. Listen, sin can be a lot of fun. And it's not the sin that's not a lot of fun. It's the end of it. When it's full grown, it gives birth to death. That's the problem. That's the problem. But I'll never forget, you know, when I was out partying and everything, and, I, and all of a sudden I start thinking about Jesus, and I start thinking about hell, and I turned the Doobie Brothers up even louder. Like I want to get my mind all of that stuff. I'm here to party, man. Rock and roll. But oh, what a feeling. That night I gave my life to Christ, and ever since it's like, I'm not going to hell. I'm not going to be damned. I, I'm not, I have a Savior. I have peace with God. 
And I have a clear conscience because of Jesus. Please get this one, the new covenant. The old covenant is external regulations. It's a bunch of rules. It's a bunch of sacrifices. And it's, it's a bunch of rules and sacrifices. Listen, it's a very important point to try to get right with God. New covenant is something internal. You're regenerated by the Holy Spirit. You become a new creation. And now you're not living by a set of rules and regulations, religious stuff. That's religious stuff. No, now, now you're made new inside. You've been renewed by the Holy Spirit. Titus 3, 5. Big difference. One's religion. The other's relationship. And you've been made new. It's a marriage. It's a romance. It's a love relationship. That's what it's intended to be. Not religion. And the reality of the new covenant is Christ. Pause on that one because this is such an important point. Colossians chapter 2. Verse 13, when you were dead in your sins, the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, um, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the written code with its regulations that was against us, that opposed to us. He took it away. Took it away. Didn't mix it with the new. Took it away. Nailing it to the cross. And then he says in verse 16, in light of that, therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink. What's he talking about? Kosher diet. He goes on. Or with regard to a religious festival. Stop there. What's he talking about? Passover, Feast of Tabernacles, all those Jewish feasts, a new moon celebration under the law. They had these new moon celebrations. That was connected with their agricultural lifestyle, and it really had to do with uh, making sure you, you, you celebrate that, because if you do that, then God will bless your crops and your paycheck will keep coming in. That was the idea. But now, look, that was a shadow. Or, get this one, last one he mentioned, a Sabbath day. What are we reading about in Mark, and what were these Jewish leaders so upset about? The violation of the Sabbath. He's saying, wait a minute. That's a shadow. The reality. Listen. These are a shadow, verse 17, of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. He's our Passover. He's unleavened bread because now we're looking to purge our lives because of what he did for us, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. He is our Sabbath rest, and not just on a Saturday, every day. The point is we have people, some in the church, that are teaching a false doctrine and saying, yeah, it's Christ, but you still got to have a kosher diet. No, you don't. If you want to have one for health reasons, fine, but don't have it for holiness reasons because it won't make you more holy. Some people are saying we got to celebrate the Jewish feast. Listen to me, and I'm going out on a limb here, but it's a biblical limb. Even the Jews don't have to celebrate the Jewish feast if they've entered into the new covenant. You say, wait a minute, didn't Paul the Apostle celebrate the feast? You read 1 Corinthians 9, he'll tell you why he did. Because when he's in the Gentile world, he didn't do that.
Thanks for joining Pastor Danny today as he walks us through the book of Mark. This New Testament gospel book conveys a fast-paced progression of events that occurred during Jesus' ministry. It's almost as if the writer intended to communicate that Jesus was continually forward-thinking toward the cross and his mission and purpose here on earth. In Mark 10.45, it says, Even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. This is the ultimate summary of the book of Mark. Jesus came humbly as a servant to reach the lost. Are you feeling lost today? Or have you been found and are following Jesus fully now? No matter what your answer is, we'd love to hear from you. Our email address is info at ccfstpete.church. Let us know how you heard about the living word and how we can be praying for you. That address again is info at ccfstpete.church. If you're in the St. Petersburg area, come join us and hear from Pastor Danny at Calvary Chapel Fellowship. We're holding services each Saturday at 6 p.m. and Sunday mornings at 9 and 11 a.m. You'll find all the information you need on our website, ccfstpete.church. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope that you'll join us again for our next edition, right here on The Living Word.